Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Mastass episode 228. This is one for the fandom files. I I feel we are contemplating a listener request today. Before we get into detail, I'm your host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as always, with the um, wreckerific Mark Blankenship. <laughs> I'm drowning in enthusiasm. In the rooms to of your ice cold mansion. You. Yes, I understand. <laughs> um, I do want to just quickly say I really was happy to hear that theme again. I feel like it's been a long time mm-hmm. since we heard that one. Yeah. Hey, old friend. Anyway, um, so today we are going to be discussing not in homage to Dave Cole and Tari Ariano's dog, uh, a Gordon Lightfoot song. But it is kind of also. This is a song that was requested by listener Beth B. This is Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, a six-minute sea shanty about a boat that sank in the Great Lakes in the mid-'70s. It reached number two on the Hot 100 in the United States, held off only, Sarah, by Rod Stewart's Tonight's the Night. Make of that what you will. What a, what a time when those when those were the top two songs in our country, and it reached number one in Canada, which is of course Gordon Lightfoot's homeland. Uh, I I I feel like before we listen to a clip, I just need to say, Sarah, that sometimes it is so inexplicable to me how a song becomes a hit that it becomes fascinating and horrifying simultaneously. <laughs> Hmm. I, I think there might be a couple spoilers in that observation. <laughs> what are you saying? Um, I sort of agree, but also um, feel very differently about the song for reasons that exist entirely outside the song's interminability. But uh, let's hear a clip. The captain wired in the water coming in and the good ship and crew was in peril. Later that night when his lights went out of sight Came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald Does anyone know of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours. The searchers all say they'd have made Whitefish Bay if they put 15 more miles behind her. Um, I left that last line in because there is a lot of um, there's a lot of just like ship logging in this song that is not necessary. Like at around the one minute mark, he's like discussing the terms of the contract to transfer the iron ore at some Michigan. And I'm like, no one cares, Gord. <laughs> Furthermore, like he, I think this is supposed to be like a sort of Canadian disaster talking blues. 
in the style of Dylan's um, talking blueses like that. Um, but there is a tipping point between evocative specifics and trying to show off that you got the world book out of the library and Lightfoot spends the entire song trampling this line. There is a like cheesy synthesizer happening that I had forgotten. The word capsized is not scanned correctly. There is a lot wrong here and ample time for it all to be like repeated annoyingly. However, in the middle of September 2001, a friend of mine uh, known as The Have, who was working in um, like IT sales, I think at that time, but um, was trying to get uh, her folk singing duo off the ground. It's called Emeth, E-M-I-T-H, if anyone's interested. On September 11th, she happened to be stuck in Canada um, and was trying to get from Ottawa, I think, to San Francisco, where she was living. And she had to rent a car and drive across Canada and then drop down to San Francisco. And she was keeping a like blog of this journey and of all the sort of people she met along the way and what, you know, what it was like to drive across the Canadian prairies with no planes in the sky and stuff like that. And she mentioned the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and specifically the line, does anyone know where the love of God goes. And I have always associated, like, I don't think I'd ever heard the song consciously before 20 years ago. And I found it on LimeWire and <laughs> Ask listened your to it. And like, it was just part of my playlist of that month, along with American Tune by Paul Simon, um, the Star Spangled Banner by um, the pianist Joyce Jacqueline something that plays it on the Ken Burns baseball series, like just sort of um, like I needed to be doing a lot of crying and letting it off for like for whatever reason. And also I was living in Toronto at the time, strangely. Um, and this. Well, and you also had such a specific experience with 9-11 that. I, of course you would need time to let that off. Well, and yeah, but like specifically sort of like listening to music that was going to make me cry so that it would just be like, like we just have to keep lancing this boil kind of right. every day for a while. So this song was a part of that. And then there are also, I mean, I think what it's sort of trying to do I wish it had done in four and a half minutes. Like, I don't understand why this got to number two either. I'm shocked it got to 200. Like, this is a dirge, literally. Um, except longer. I feel like dirges end in like five minutes. <laughs> but there are also sort of, I mean, the, these sort of quiet moments where he's talking more broadly about um, the, you know, no, nothing's left but the faces of the wives and daughters or superior it's said never gives up her dead like the broader and sort of like blank it's like a blank stone like a blank headstone some of these lines that i think that's extremely effective and for this time in my life um it was and remains for me extremely effective because also in my mind's eye there was the have crossing 
like crossing the prairies and she's sort of like at wherever she was medicine hat you know buying a coke diet in a in a general <laughs> store and she's like you know but when i get home is that still going to feel like home which was definitely a sensation that i was having and um so that is my association with the song but that is entirely separate from my assessment of it as a um cogent narrative um so you know a for one c for the other thing um but you don't have this association with it and i think perhaps can speak a little more um clearly to why it's kind of a a long turd (laughs) i feel like (laughs) is what we're going to to say one of the reasons I continue to love this show is our personal associations with the songs. I love that that story means that this song cannot forever go into the dustbin for you, you know? I Do you have a big enough dustbin for this song? Yeah, I mean, I would need to get a, an actual dumpster. But it's just like we were talking about with the Trisha Yearwood thing. I don't know why I respond the way I do, but here we are. Okay. Gordon Lightfoot. I love Dave and Tara's dog. Mm-hmm. Gordon Lightfoot, the artist, not so much. Um, You're not a sundown guy either? Accounts, say what? You're not a sundown guy either? Well, see, here by all accounts, Gordon Lightfoot was an asshole mm. and apparently hit his girlfriend so hard once that she needed to go seek medical attention. Yeah, heard that. And yet the song Sundown is about how she makes him feel crazy. And it's like, yeah. fuck off, sir. Yeah. That's uh, that's a stalker escalating. You need a you need a TRO. Yeah, it's like this is he's just in that perfect mold of guys who think that their erections make them magical. Well, and if you look and at like, pictures of him and he's sort of like all in chambray, you're like, oh, you're him. Got it. Yeah, like my boner is important, and if you don't do what my boner wants, then I have the right to be self-consciously furious and it's just like get over yourself you narcissistic dickhead is how i feel about the song sundown Mm. okay and the fact that he masquerades his asshole attitude in the soft rock sounds of john denver (laughs) it's just like ugh, no so then we get to the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald a song that i didn't had never researched before until this week but then i found out that the song was written uh, shortly after the actual Edmund Fitzgerald sank, and I think that's one of the reasons that this song became a hit, because that tragedy was very fresh in the memory of both America and Canada, mm-hmm. and unsurprisingly, it was not a hit outside of the two countries where that tragedy was news. Right. Uh, yeah, can't imagine why. And the one of the reasons he says that he wanted to write the song is that he felt it was a shame It was shameful to the memory of the dead that in Newsweek magazine, Edmund Fitzgerald was misspelled E-D-M-O-N-D when it's E-D-M-U-N-D. So he wanted to correct that shame Uh, by writing this tribute. Asshole says what? I know. And then even though he said that, the song itself is filled with, generously putting it, poetic license. Mm -hmm. There are lots of factual errors in this song. So again, it's like, Shut the fuck up, asshole. <laughs> well, and also, d- did you just well actually a national magazine in song form? Yeah. 
And just like that Republican bullshit of like, this is a desecration of the dead because some 21-year-old typesetter made a made a mistake, you know? Yeah. Ugh. Or it's like, that like maritime authority, like someone had it registered as E-D-M-O-N-D. It's not like you said Edward Fitzpatrick. Like he, <laughs> it's basically <laughs> right. Like he's like, fuck you. I'm writing a song and it isn't even bigger. Fuck you. It's going to go on for a week and a half. Like good one. Yeah. A. So all of that is the context. I didn't know any of that when I was first listening to this song. I've heard it on and off in my lifetime just because I would think about it or somehow come across it and be like, what is this song again? Oh yeah, this. But when I was listening for this episode, I was just thinking, like you said, I will acknowledge the stuff about the the daughters and the sons and the mothers are the only ones who are waiting. You are right. That is an effective moment mm-hmm. that has a universality to it that I actually do find quite lovely, which is another one of the reasons that maybe Gordon Lightfoot is so hateable because he's so close to not being hateable. He has talent. He, you know, I mean, I was going to make this comparison earlier, but he's like Richard Ford, who is a novelist who's like, you, you are talented, but you're also trying so hard to be like sort of in that louche updike hero mold and like one updike was more than enough sorry uh, well, updike's nonfiction now... was fantastic but like there's a certain kind of like chambray snap shirt wearing cut like balding but also long-haired <laughs> uh creator that is just like, ugh. and it's just like, you know, Richard Ford and talk about like, you know, my boner is the center of all preoccupations. And when I stop being able to get boners as easily, just wait, there's a trilogy. Like, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. no one asked, dick. <laughs> God forbid there's ever a day when I can't get it up because you're right. There is a, tri- I will be teaching a class. I will say that. I have very rarely stopped reading a book in disgust, but Independence Day by Richard Ford was so nauseating to me that I stopped after page like 120. I think, um, I'm not, I'm not sure if that was the one where like partway through it, I was like, I don't have to be here. Opened a window in my third floor apartment and threw it onto the street. (laughs) Oh my God. That in that fucking book, The Art of Fielding, which is not by Richard Ford, but sits in a similar place of dishonor in my mind. Okay. But anyway, this isn't the wreck of our libraries. It's the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yes. But but this is all the same mise-en-scene in which we find this song, I feel. And the, but the fact is, even without that context, there are those beautiful lyrical moments. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this is six minutes of just the exact same musical pattern over and over and over again. He doesn't change the notes. He doesn't change the key. It's just the same fucking thing for so fucking long. <laughs> and I just think, ah. Uh, and then if you listen to an actual sea shanty, for instance, those at least have a chorus and a verse. This is just like, what the fuck? And... Bob Dylan's Talking Blues, also another good reference point, but Bob Dylan is a Nobel Prize winner for a reason. And Eddie Fitz over here, or sorry, Gordy Lights over here. Gordy is, Lights. <laughs> Gordy Lights is not at that level, despite the fact that he does string a, the occasional uh, line together well. Da, 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 da. <laughs> 
So I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is if forced to listen to an adult contemporary Canadian crooner who shares a name with one of Dave and Tara's dogs, I will choose Anne Murray. I think that's a solid choice. And, you know, the fact that this song was received and used by me as um, a, a ritual of grief is like separate from, I think that's sort of separate from the song's construction it, itself. Like, I don't think it's a completely worthless endeavor, but my relationship to it is almost completely outside of whatever it's trying to do. Mm hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, be, be better, Lightfoot. <laughs> Well, this is probably a good time to take a break from our dragging of Gordon Lightfoot to talk about the celebration of birth of one of our listeners. Yes, it's time for a pop chart astrology reading. That's what happens when I use the number one song on the day that you were born to extrapolate your entire destiny. And I am pleased to say that we are recording this live, which means that, Sarah, I will look forward to any and all sound effects that you need to make oh, no. as we get through the song we're about to get through. Oh, no. <laughs> So today's number one song, uh, well, I should say, today's Pop Chart Astrology reading goes out to our listener, Meredith S. Hello, Meredith. It is so wonderful to have you on the show. We're so glad that you reached out. And listeners, if you would like a Pop Chart Astrology reading of your own, all you have to do is email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com to figure out how to get one. And Meredith, as you well know, you were born on June 1st, 1974, right around the time that Gordon Lightfoot was really popular. And the number one song on the day that you were born, Meredith, well... It was The Streak by Ray Stevens. And uh, before we go any further, let's just take a listen to a clip of The Streak. And he ain't wearing no clothes. Oh, yes, they call him The Streak. Fastest thing on two feet. He's just as proud as he can be. His anatomy, he gonna give us a peek. Justice for Meredith. Oh, Jesus Christ. Was that a penny whistle? That's unacceptable. <laughs> hey, so 70s. The, yeah. Get your shit together. Jesus. <laughs> Love bunch. Yeah. Um, so the streak obviously falls into that category of novelty songs that unexpectedly made it to number one. Uh, it was released shortly after the famous moment at the Academy Awards when a streaker ran across the stage. This was also released at the moment when streaking on college campuses was quite faddish. So the streak capitalized on all of these things. And Ray Stevens had already had some hits uh, with other novelty songs like Guitar Zan. He had also reached number one with one of the world's worst ballads, which is Everything is Beautiful. And he managed to really live in a very special place where he could take jokey novelty songs and turn them into chart toppers. Uh, and I, it, it goes. it's also worth noting that this song features a long extended passage where he's like on the radio talking about seeing people streaking. And then he keeps screaming at his wife, Ethel, not to look. And I can attest <laughs> that growing up in the South in the 80s, you would frequently hear people still say, don't look, Ethel, which is a reference to the streak. Oh, my God. 
So here we have the really unlikely specter of a semi-joke artist making a an absolute joke song getting to number one because he was able to unexpectedly catch the lightning of a really weird trend in American culture. Now, Meredith, what does this mean for your destiny? I do want to stress that it does not matter if you like the song or if the song is even any good. It is still going to hold a key to your success. We can divorce ourselves from critical appraisal of the song and really look at what it means for your success, be that personal or professional, it's up for you to divine. But what this song says to me about your destiny is that you should not be afraid to react in a way that others might consider strange to something that's going on that's important at this moment. You can react in a voice that feels distinct from and in some ways discordant with the popular movements of the time and trust that you're going to capture people's imagination in a way that might not have been anticipated. You do not need to make everybody happy to have something to say. And in saying it in the way that you want, the novelty of your perspective might lead you to an enormous amount of success. So, Meredith, I hope that listening to The Streak will now have a slightly different uh, uh, texture for you. I hope you've enjoyed this reading. It was a pleasure to do it. And now I think it's time to go back to the Edmund Fitzgerald. I don't really have anything else. Yeah, I agree. I have run out of things to say as well. I think we've dragged his ass to the bottom of Lake Superior <laughs> as deeply as we can. I'm I'm leaving that comment in though. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I don't know for there, 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 for and I've only the got big one lake they call idea. super boring. <laughs> and I'll just keep repeating myself. <laughs> I don't know what is this scansion. <laughs> but I know that the news week that I just was reading on the crapper is going to anger me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use it as toilet paper that also won't scan properly. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I really you know realized what a just booger this song is until I prepped it the other day. But man, gourd. But you know what? What we just sang, where's our fucking royalty check? Let, make, send that to the top of the damn charts. Well, really. Or send it to Newsweek with our blessings. It's fine. <laughs> The sweet pretty things on Vietnam, of course The city fathers they're trying to endorse The reincarnation of Paul Revere's horse But the town has no need to be nervous Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship That's me and Sarah D. Bunting That's me I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network Learn more at bleav.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at markandsarahtalkaboutsongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. 
And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. Screaming shimons have just been made. Then sends out for the doctor who pulls down the shade and says my advice is to not let the boys in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.